what I hope is one of the most rewarding work opportunities for thousands of employees. And I just think that's like, that to me hit me as like, I'm so lucky. It is such a special job. Each day across the country, there are thousands of incredible Centria team members working to better the lives of autistic individuals. We will be highlighting the journey of these remarkable people and getting their unique perspective on how they stay connected to the mission in their positions. And then I'll connect their story to a principle in behavior analysis to further illuminate the application of our science. We're your hosts. I'm Timothy Yeager. And I'm Lisa Cunningham. And this is the Do Wonders Podcast. I was actually in the car ride coming, dropping the kids off, and I was coming home. And I actually remember the first time we talked. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, it was my first week, which was like, I think April of, or May of 2020. Yep. And I'm sitting in my like in-laws house at the time. Cause there's a whole crazy personal story behind that, but being incredibly impressed by you. That's what I remember. Um, uh, someone that was, you know, one, I don't think I've ever met someone that could speak so quickly and so articulately <laughs> than, than you, but like very clear and like command of like what you wanted to say. And I, I've, and that, that, that level of impressions hasn't like necessarily changed at all across the, the years that we've worked together. And, um, so I'm really glad to have this conversation with you and get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Thanks. I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think too, that it means a lot to me. And I also remember, you know, your start with us, which was, you know, a little bit different than anyone could have anticipated given the timing with COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it means a lot that you say that just given that I, you're somebody, Timothy, that, and I share this with you, I have seen so few people in my career and just personal life that have experienced the tremendous amount of personal and professional growth as you have in the coming on three years, right? Mm -hmm. With Centria a couple weeks ago is three years. Um, and, and just the hope that that gives me for how we're going to continue to utilize your development in and your growth in growing and developing the organization as we already have in the trajectory that we're on. So high compliment coming from you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Before we get to the here and now, let's talk a little bit about like your journey to here. So what's your career like trajectory or path that's like taking you to this role as, as VP of HR at Centria? Yeah, I'd love to talk about, you know, kind of thinking about the early days, yeah. right? First and how really it's all part of a journey from whatever your starting point was. And, you know, for me, I kind of laugh, you know, my, my first job, right? Mm -hmm. It was, I was a bus girl at a Coney Island. So people in Michigan or uh, New York will know what that is specifically, but it was my favorite restaurant. And I was thinking like, I just got to work here. And so I was a bus girl. Um, and really, I, I think I kind of fell in love with the pace and the people orientation of working within uh, food service, right? So hospitality and, you know, I had some retail in there in college as well. And, you know, when I think about college, like it, you, you might've known exactly what you wanted to be when you grew up, right? For me, I, I knew I wanted to do something working with people and I have always have been interested in like how people think and why they act or behave in a certain way, kind of like the motivation beyond that. And, you know, I found this old paper at my mom's house that I had written on, you know, predispositions, right? <laughs> and like the whole nature versus nurture, which is kind of mm -hmm. like, who cares how you got here? Let's just work through it. 
But I originally was a psych major is what I'm getting to. And I thought, you know, I want to do forensic psychology and then realize, gosh, it's going to be pretty dark. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if that's something that like I want to have as much darkness in my life. Right. And that's kind of figuring out how you got here, but it's not helping the the move forward. Right. So um, with psychology, um, you know, taking a lot of courses and listening and I, I just I feel like I like took that in and like gobbled that. I loved the coursework um, so much so that I had to do like a victory lap in college, like a fifth <laughs> year, um, because I took so many psych classes, even though I ultimately ended up changing my major to something within business. And the reason for that was it, it takes an incredible amount of patience to do um, you know, clinical psychology and just in understanding myself a little better and understanding you know, how I was gonna be able to be at my best like in an environment. I think it was trying to get something that would still allow me to work with people and helping to understand motivations and behaviors, but in a manner that um, you know, I might be able to help in a shorter time frame. So you know, hence human resources, mm-hmm. right? And so I still, um, human resources and psychology were kind of minors from a business perspective, being that like my major. But I I loved that I came out of college, had some great internships um, within HR and got to still work in the hospitality industry, which for me, working with people that have a desire to serve other people, right, um, was just really attractive, right? That people orientation and that kind of like servant mindset. I met some of the like kindest, most patient, um, most like giving people that I feel like I've ever met as a result of kind of starting out in that industry. Um, and I think it really bred a lot of different qualities as well that I can apply here, which like first and foremost, um, I loved that I have been brought up in the school of like, it really doesn't matter what your position or title or anything, like you're a person and we, we owe you as an employer, um, not only like a workplace that you're going to be respected and included in, but one that hopefully you can reach your own goals for development and something that you can be ultimately proud of. Right. And I worked in, you know, luxury hospitality in Chicago. So kind of, um, you know, nice hotels. (laughs) That's a, a nice way to say that. But, you know, really a big focus on like the people you bring in and we had this saying i'm sure you've heard this adage but it's just like you hire for attitude and you train for skill Mm -hmm. and i really feel like that's something that has been like kind of a mainstay in how i you know like we've talked about this timothy like you separate the person from the behavior you talk about all these things right so it's like no person is ever like fixed as like good bad like it's really where you are on your journey and what are your goals and how do we help get you there and i think it was through hospitality i learned some really great i worked with phenomenal people in hr and i'll kind of just like speed up through this to bring us to you know answering your question but i got great experience on like how to train people in allowing them to first experience the need for what you're going to teach them right so you're Mm -hmm. kind of drawing an empathy um and then creating mechanisms for them to be able to apply that and feel proud of what they've learned and it was just you know that was great being able to select talent that are you know again right attitude aligned with what your mission is right and then being able to provide that workplace that they feel like they want to come to and not every day is going to be great right we're all human but how do we work at um, helping people achieve the best version of themselves um 
And, you know, I had a ton of opportunities also to be able to be involved in, like I was the regional labor lead. I was able to help with implementation of a number of like a new applicant tracking system. Um, I was the area trainer when it came to um, our HR technology. So I, if you can tell, I really like helping people. <laughs> learn how to apply like their own like passions and skills with being um something they're they're great at and they're proud of um my husband nick you've met him right um he's a special education teacher and i i got to have a lot of opportunities to interact whether it was going to chaperone prom for you know some of his students or volunteer opportunities um and you know i think to myself on like gosh, Nick's like changing the world, right? Like he's helping people who were, you know, potentially at times in the not too distant past, like told that there was no opportunity and, you know, they were almost like a forgotten group, right? Individuals mm -hmm. with disabilities. Um, and he was helping them to be able to have a more independent life and see their own self-value. And I loved what I was doing in hospitality. Like I said, working with people that just tremendously care about the needs of others. But when I thought about what what am I doing? And it was after I had my son, right? It was like, why, you know, I might miss bedtime here or there, or miss some of those like special moments potentially because work is something that I've always enjoyed doing and really poured myself into. Um, but I wanted to know it was something that was going to have a meaningful long-term impact. And, you know, thinking more about that after having Caleb, my son, and really what Nick was doing, it it made the job I was working, although still gratifying, a little less appealing from a long-term perspective. Mm. And like, what am I ultimately doing this for? And to, you know, have higher occupancy rates or charge a higher average daily rate, right? It's right. like, it the means to the end wasn't really there for me to justify, I guess, utilizing my skills and talents in a way that would have long-term impact. And so I, when Centria, came up as a as an opportunity and I was reached out to about the role it really seemed like the perfect marriage of you know making sure that I am able to still help create an environment where team members want to be and um, allowing for them to kind of be the best version of themselves for our clients right but you know I get to say and be a great example for my family and like my friends and people in my life of what I'm spending my talents on and my time on for a, a broader purpose or meaning. I love that journey and story. It actually resonates quite well with me. I, I remember at one point in my life sitting in a cubicle as an accountant asking myself, like, what am I, what am I doing with my yeah. time? What, what's a like average day or, you know, I'm sure there's no average day for you, but like yeah. in general, what's, what's the day in the life of a, a VP of human resources? Yeah. I'd say a couple of things. Um, I have a phenomenal team. If I could talk about them just, you know, for a minute, we've got, you know, seven individuals who are helping support the business with things like, you know, I'll talk about like benefits and, you know, not only just it's the creation of the plans, right, but issue resolution and trying to figure out how to make sure it's always a value add. But we got benefits. We have um, what we call like performance management. So, you know, when you're asked to take surveys <laughs> or, um, you know, if you're in a merit eligible role, you might do reviews or goal setting and really make sure that you're oriented with uh, the long term alignment of business success for the organization. Um, you know, things like workers comp, like we really want to have a safe environment, um, but, you know, with the, the kiddos we work with being at times unpredictable, like that happens with injuries on the job. And we want to make sure that we can take care of our team in those instances when they arise. Um, 
you know, we have three individuals that what we call our business partners, right? And they're working with leaders across the organization. A lot is like employee relations. So hearing out uh, needs of our team members, looking into things, understanding how we have a alignment and a path forward to make sure that they're, you know, we continue to be able to focus on this like client service. So, um, you know, and also we're Kronos administration, um, unemployment administration, some of the not fun like labor law, regulatory <laughs> compliance, but we need to make sure that the business has what it needs to run smoothly. So a, a big part of my job is enabling my team to be able to be empowered with the information they need to be able to support the business. That's really, I mean, we're here to help the business uh, be able to manage the talent and people that we have effectively and to continue to be a place that people want to come to work. And so a lot of my day is uh, things that would intersect with what I just talked to you that my my team is working on. Um, but I, I feel like what's really fun is that I get to partner with our leadership team. So like yourself included, as well as many of our other senior leaders about um, new opportunities, right? Maybe we're opening in a new area. We have an opportunity to, you know, look at some different benefits or see, gosh, you know, we seem to have, um, you know, uh, some competition in this like new market that we're going into. How do we continue to drive the value narrative? Um, like a number of things along those lines, as well as looking at company-wide initiatives. You know, we just rolled out as you know a new uh, bonus plans or what we call pay for performance, which is you know really looking at from a company perspective, are we rewarding? The behavior that we hope to see from our team members that are going to ultimately drive those results and outcomes. So I'd say a lot of my day is work groups, right? Collaborating with other individuals and moving the business forward, partnering with our senior team and providing support to you know, my incredible team of HR operators that are helping to support the business as we continue to evolve and grow. Was there a, a moment um you know, or a story that, that occurred during your time at Century where it really solidified, you know, you came here with this idea of being mission driven and, and having a greater purpose. Was there, a, was there a point in time where like that was like truly realized? Yeah, I think a couple things and that's like, okay, shout out to marketing, but like truly seeing the client success stories. And one of the first was like Jacob's story that mm. we had and seeing, you know, I, I it's like you you know what we're doing conceptually. And I think, you know, our resource center team members like myself, um, I've been able to go out to centers and I've been able to go to our academies and, you know, see that. But sometimes you forget about what that actually means outside of those four walls to the family and how ABA has brought specifically services with Centria in this instance um, has brought a different level of hope to families mm -hmm. and you know, the mom in that story just talked through like they there were limits on what they thought was going to be their child's story and their life and what ABA had done to be able to rewrite that narrative. And like, I'm really like, getting goosebumps talking mm -hmm. about this, but like it's so much had changed his life in such a short amount of time. The mom is talking there about just like we feel like the opportunities are limitless. And that's like that's what I hope for every client that we have is that, you know, sure, you came to us here and maybe this is what you thought was like possible, but we get to rewrite the narrative on what your child is capable of. Mm. And we're going to do that with you. We're going to partner with you. And it's truly going to be life changing. 
And, you know, you and I have talked about this too. Like, how do we bring more of that into the workplace? Like, we want this to be life-changing for our team members, not just because of what they see for their clients, but like the investments that we've had. Like, maybe they thought they had a trajectory from a career perspective, right? right. But that helped me also realize, like, gosh, I get double the benefit of working for a mission-driven company and that, like, I get to be part of what's happening to our clients. But you get to amplify that and that now we're creating what I hope is one of the most rewarding work opportunities for thousands of employees mm. and i just think that's like that to me hit me as like i'm so lucky it is such a special job and you know it's it's definitely led to some like sleepless nights and <laughs> some of those like moments but it's because like gosh i want to figure this out because there's people like jacob and like his family who we're helping to make possible things they never thought were in the like realm of possibilities. Yeah. yeah that's one thing I really you know, love about our mission statement around hopes and dreams of our clients. Um, that it's more than, you know, some goals that we're working on. There's a bigger picture there. And ultimately we want to put clients in, into contact with uh, like success and joy that like opens up doors that, um, uh, that they didn't think were possible, which is, you know, it's a really powerful moment to see that look on parents' faces and, and to see that joy in clients' faces as well. Yeah, I it's it's weird to say, but it's like, I think she said something like she's been given a new life, right? mm -hmm. a new like perspective on life. And yeah, I just, as a like parent myself, right? That, yeah, it just, that's, we're so lucky, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't mean the days aren't like so hard. It's just like being a parent, right? For sure. <laughs> you know, the days are challenging, but when you look at it cumulatively, like there's something really, really big to be proud of. What are you excited about right now at Centria? Yeah, um, that one's easy to answer. Um, and, and truthfully, it's the work the clinical excellence team is doing. And I think what's cool about being at Century, it'll be six years for me next month, is seeing the evolution of the organization. Um, you know, we're not only just like the footprint that we have, but as I think about the evolution, like it, it's cool, you know, we're in more states and we've grown. We have like such better technology and like the team we have is incredible and we're all very much aligned and marching towards the same, like the same ideals for client outcomes, right? But where I see just a complete shift is the what what you've done to bring about alignment around the value. Like we were an operator organization, I feel like just very ops driven, which happens, right? We kind of needed to be in some ways, and now like we're a clinical led organization with a very sound vision. We we know our north star. We know what um, good looks like, and on top of that, we're training people on how to get there, and you know. I, I obviously am lucky and fortunate to be privy to understanding some of the investments we've made, but I think you made a really wonderful LinkedIn post about this, right? And just the, the millions of dollars invested where we're kind of like, to use the adage, putting our money where our mouth is on driving outcomes and what, you know, Hillary and her team is doing to revolutionize care is something that makes me so excited about what we're doing in the future. And, you know, I was talking to my mom about this a couple mm. weeks back, right? 
my mom was a physical therapist. She's retired now. And um, my, my stepdad was like a nurse case manager. And um, they actually met working um, for individuals who had suffered traumatic brain injuries. So they worked together. And, you know, as I was talking about this, just like compassionate care model, you know, it, it was interesting because my mom was just like, yeah, you know, I, I completely get that. And I think that, you know, she said, like, as a service provider, like, I saw that as a practitioner, like, driving different results than some of my peers. She said, what's interesting is that I think most people can say that they're aligned with that. But where it's hard is trying to create mechanisms where an entire organization can be doing that. And just as we were talking about it, she's like, gosh, it just sounds like from what you're sharing with me, you've kind of unlocked the key to that, right? Making it that this is what we, this is how we do it here at Centria. And we're doing all the right things because as I look at it from an HR perspective, right? I mean, from a change management, you got to understand the why first, and then you got to create tools and training and get buy-in and support people along the way and have these like opportunities to check in and debrief and just continue to make sure that like, we are doing this thoughtfully and meaningfully. And when I think about the data for what that means for outcomes for especially, you know, families who maybe were at their wits end saying like, we just don't know what to do, right? Um, I mean, the data just shows that this is going to be game changing for the industry. It's like it amplifies the reason I came here. And you all know clinical best practices and i've certainly had like 15 plus years of like you know people management best practices and we're doing it in such a thoughtful way that will it's going to change the shape of the organization and when i talk about jacob's story it's like that's going to be hopefully all of our clients yeah and that's just i again i feel so fortunate to be working with you know, and I get to work with your team often. I mean, Kaja and Emily and Hillary, they're all like, they're intelligent and they're articulate and they've got a vision and they know how to like draw that vision from an idea into action and support. And it's, it's incredible. I mean, and you had the vision to bring in these leaders and allow for that to happen. And that's, it's just something that I know we are going to continue to do incredible things. Thank you for sharing that. I, uh, I don't think we've ever talked about this. So I'm going to dip my toe into some waters. <laughs> see how it goes. Um, part you, you, you commented earlier around my like personal and professional development across Centria. And I think, uh, one, I think you have quite a bit to play, um, in that. Um, and, and our, our relationship and like how you've helped support me through, um, through the years. I think specifically when I started at Centria, I, I think I was much more of an individual contributor and not so much of a leader. And I think that was by role as well as like what I came to, um, Centria with, um, I've had a lot of like, uh, learned opportunities across the way of my like failures as a, as a leader. And, um, one of the, the the ways in which you've coached me through the time, either like intentional or unintentional, was the ability to like trust um, and like hire good people, trust good people, and like support them. Um, and you think about like Hillary and Kaja and and Emily, like 
if I would have hired them like my first month on the, like in the job, like it would not have been successful because I was not in a position to lead them in, in that way. Um, and ultimately I'm a better leader as a result of like, uh, your coaching, uh, quite a bit. So I thank you for that. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. That means a lot. So thank you. Yeah. Um, so a couple things about this podcast, uh, it, the, the general goal is to like share the stories of people that work for us and advance our mission um, and sprinkle a little science along the way. And I know you always love my uh, ABA talks. So um, <laughs> there's something you mentioned um, earlier around like training um, that in behavior analysis, we call it an establishing operation. And so okay. uh, establishing operation is, is something that like one increases the value of a reinforcer and increases the likelihood of the behavior that previously was reinforced by this stimulus. And so let me give you an example. Yeah. Um, established operation of deprivation. So um, when you're deprived of water, um, water tastes better when you drink it. Right. And you're, when you're deprived of water, you're more likely to do things that got you water in the past. Okay. Um, does that make sense? Yep. Can you think about, you know, I was actually was on, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about kids of the eighties and how, um, we didn't carry water bottles around, but there was nothing like that, like out on the summer in the neighborhood playing around the park and you find some random water hose and you drink water straight from the hose. <laughs> oh, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. But like when you're really thirsty, like yeah. that water tastes so much better. Right. And so that's when you like align behaviors with motivation and okay. in, es in essence, establishing operations are like a motivation, motivating condition. Um, and when you're training, uh, what you talked about is like you have to, you know, it's best to have people experience like the situation, right? And it puts them in a position to better learn, right? Um, you talked about empathy as one of those like motivating conditions. Um, that applies a lot to the work that we do. So um, let's say we're working with a client and a client um, is learning to speak. And, um, a topic for another day, but there's this thing called a vocal verbal operant called a tact. And a tact is when some, when you use language to describe something that you're sensing, seeing, hearing, thinking, feeling, you know, all these different things in which you can describe something. Um, that's a, a tact. And a tact is under the motivating condition of um, uh, being deprived of social attention or like praise from others. Okay. So, in essence, like we're tacting right now. This whole thing is a long tact. Um, most conversations as, as adults are like, you know, we're talking with people because we are, you know, under some condition of uh, deprivation of attention and praise. And, um, you know, myself, when I can tell when I'm no longer in that deprivation condition because I just want to like isolate and like not talk with people, you get to that point where like, I don't need to talk anymore. Um, well, how that applies to our clients, though, is let's say I'm teaching, you know, we're teaching a client, a child to, you know, say bird, and like they're learning what a bird is, and so you may have like a picture of a bird, a video of a bird, um, you know, a stuffed animal of a bird. You might be reading a book, and there's a bird in it. Um, and they may learn the name of the bird, but ultimately, for that experience to actually impact the quality of their life, 
Mm-hmm. They have to learn that under the motivating context of like when I'm deprived of attention and praise and I see a bird. And if I say a bird in a context or community of people that are listening to me, they're going to give me attention and praise. Right. And so yeah, you can um, teach kids to say a bunch of names, but if it's not under the right motivating condition, it's not going to translate to actually impacting their life in the way that we want to impact their life. So you have kids, um, and I'm sure your oldest is like second grade. He's seven. Yeah, it's just finishing up yeah, first. Yep. Yeah. Um, there was a time when he was uh, three, and I'm sure like you take him to the, the Detroit Zoo, and like he would just be out there, four years old, just like, "Hey, mommy, look at this. Mommy, look at that. Mommy, look at this." Yeah. Right. Um, and those are all instances of him trying to recruit social attention and praise from people that matter to him um, in a very appropriate way. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's ultimately what um, some of the work that we're doing around language development with our clients is we arrange conditions to like have, you know, when this EO is present, establishing operations present, you say these things, you get attention and praise for them. Mm -hmm. The powerful story is like when you hear from families, like, oh, oh, they're, they're labeling things, they're talking about things in their environment. Yeah, that's, that's because we've done it right, you know. Um, when learning aligns up with the, the establishing operation, that's truly what like drives the change that we want to drive. That's awesome. I so, feel like I want to think more about yeah. that too. Um, it's yeah. true. It's true. It's true in people management, right? And like for sure, right? Like when we when you can align like the reason why, right? Like Simon Sinek talks about the why. We can talk about. I mean, you can align someone's why with the, the why of the company or the just cause of the company, like you get this establishing operation that aligns and like human behavior can shift as a result of that. Yeah, I that makes so much sense. And I feel like what's been amazing for me is like a lot of our conversations, right? I mean, there are just things that we'll do from a people management best practice. And of course, look at that. It's like established in science. Yeah. Of course, our behavior analysts would know more about it, but that's something that practically, right? Well train our leaders on if, hey, if you're coaching somebody, you know, it's it's super important that you talk about like, hey, here was the action or behavior. Here's the impact it had. This is what I need you to do differently next time. But that becomes the most effective when you layer in a motivator, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, I'm bringing this to your attention because I know this is important to you. Or I know you have aspirations for this. So, you know, applies to to our clients, right? Mm-hmm. But it applies equally to our team members when you think about that as well, that, you know, draw it to their why just exactly like what you said is like layering that in will make the learning that much more impactful because not only do they now know the impact of the behavior how to act differently but like what that is going to tangibly bring them from an alignment to their ultimate goals yeah it's probably a longer conversation in their time but there's also a branch of our science called acceptance and commitment therapy which aligns talks about like living a life of positive reinforcement is when your actions that you commit to and do align to your values. And mm-hmm. whenever you be get misaligned, like that's when you, you, you step out of a, you know, a life of, of reinforcement. And that's often a, a good place to start a coaching you know, conversation, which is like getting back to those values. And like, here are the things that you've identified that motivate you and here are how like these actions don't necessarily align to them. And if you can get them to see that, and then commit to something different. It becomes a completely different conversation than just like 
your boss is telling you to do something different. For sure. And I think about that too, like not only from the employee perspective, what you just mentioned, but from a leadership perspective, I would think, and I absolutely believe that our leaders want our team members to do things so that they can be successful, not just do it because I said, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And so if you can approach it that way, commitment, acceptance, and, you know, alignment, um, it's truly, it's, it's for their own development and value alignment that you're asking for something, not because an arbitrary boss, right? Air quotes, I guess, for those who are listening, (laughs) uh, told them what to do. And that's just such a, that's a much more meaningful relationship on both sides in the workplace, right? Definitely. So there's a couple things. Um, one, so part of my journey here at Centria has been like I, I spoke about earlier, like when I was in, I think I, when I started, I was much more of like an individual contributor and like a highly achieving individual contributor. And I think naively, and part of my development, my, you know, is speaks to this idea that like, there was a point in time when I realized that like, it's going to take all of us to achieve the vision that like I had, that I wanted. And, yeah. and I had, and I think it's so, especially in like a, a field like behavior analysis where like candidly, sometimes BCBAs can be a little bit arrogant and like, just think that they have all the answers. And just, if you just listen to us, like we know human behavior. Um, but the fact of the matter is that there are very talented and skilled and smart, like values aligned people across our entire organization. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like, for me anyways, that I, I, like I started to like work cross departmentally, have my team work cross departmentally that we could actually realize the true value that we're seeing right now in the work. Um, and at a smaller scale, that's one of the reasons why I've asked you to join as a, a co-host to the, the podcast is because you have much different, you have a different perspective and you, you add a, a different point of view. Um, and, um, I think the listeners would, would, would value um, tremendously having having your perspective on this. I'm really excited to continue this podcast journey with with you as a co-host. Yeah, thanks. So, I, and I agree. If I can just add to that, and I know we're wrapping soon, but you know, I think a big part of your growth that has made you as effective as you have been, and your team as well. And I know that this is a value you drive down in your team is that collaboration, mm-hmm. right? And I think you know, there's there's been things that have been said, like you can collaborate or you can compete and compete is that like individualistic, but in order in a competition, someone wins and someone loses. Yeah. But in collaboration, you know, you might be giving up a little bit of what your initial vision was, but that the ultimate outcome of that Mm. ends up being stronger because of the diversity of ideas and thoughts and, and bringing those different perspectives. And that's, that's a lesson I had to learn and I'm still learning it in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that that's truly been a key to your your growth and development is that collaboration from others. And and truthfully, the coolest thing I've seen from that, Timothy, is our senior leaders are speaking about outcomes and like client care and these clinical quality drivers in a way that they've never spoken before because you've also opened yourself up to that collaboration and people want to learn from you and they want to understand like, you know, as Asher says, right, we're a clinical organization first. And I think it's through your partnership and collaboration that we've become stronger as a leadership team and understanding the work we're doing and being able to ensure that all of our teams are set up to drive that success. Thanks for sharing that. It's a, things are much like 
change is much more sustainable when you have everyone leading the change towards like leading the change. Right. And for sure. And like, there are many times where I thought I could get things done quicker. Right. You get to the starting line yeah. quicker as an individual. Right. But like you can't win the race if it's just you. Right. Like it takes everybody because at every single moment of every single day, there are people making decisions, having conversations, um, like you know, committing to actions that may be aligned or may not be aligned to like the vision. And the more people out there that you have that are like collaborating, you know, providing input, providing feedback and feel like part of this change, like the, the more sustainable the change is going to be. I completely agree. It's, it's the collaboration that breeds values alignment, like you were just talking about, right? And understanding the why is also just incredibly empowering at every level of the organization. I've been guilty of that too. It's like, oh, let's just brute force it. I can move quickly, right. but you just miss this opportunity to bring along like a group of engaged individuals that want to be here making an impact. Yep. All right. Last question. Um, yep. We talked about motivation, establishing operation. Like, what's your why? Yeah. And I, if I think about this just like holistically, yep. um, and this is not going to be a short answer. So, like, I've never known here. you to give short answers. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so, um, I grew up having a second cousin who um, was born like four months premature, and he was, I, he's about, six years older than me and um you know got to have a lot of really meaningful discussions with you know my mom and my family when i was younger about how like he's he's different right and how different is great and people are people right and you know maybe he's not able to read a book the same way that i am but here's what he's great at right so understanding that but i feel like it also created in me observing people treat him differently and, mm. and poorly and there being fear around people who are other or different. And it was something that like, I feel like I've struggled with a lot of my life is like not being like upset on like, you know, how come he got the short end of the stick? Mm. And like, you know, why did that happen to him? And why, you know, why is it fair that my life gets to be different than his for no reason of like, I didn't do anything yeah. to get, you know, this kind of like view. And I think that that's like, and we've had discussions about like the concept of ableism and like inclusion and really like what that means to be able to create and remove barriers and create opportunities for individuals um, to be able to experience goals and dreams like we talked about. Um, and there is no like one right or normal or anything along those lines. But I think, you know, my why has been a big part of that is understanding that individuals with disabilities are absolutely as valuable as anyone else. And to be able to work in an organization that sees our, they're our clients, right? doesn't matter how you come here. You're a client and we are going to give you the best service possible to reach, you know, you and your family's goals and outcomes. And working for an organization that understands that, you know, is trying to work on an opportunity to, I hate to say like equalize, like that, that's kind of a weird word and I'm probably tripping over it here, but I think the ideal is to have, you know, a 
an outcome more advantageous for them than would have normally probably been realized because of a number of environmental factors, right? And including like social behaviors impacting that individual and how others, you know, perceive them. And I guess this is like this weekend, um, you know, we went to a park and um, there were, we went over to a specific set of swings because they had a baby swing because, you know, June, my daughter is 10 months old. So we got a regular swing for Caleb, um, the baby swing. And then there was one other swing. Um, and there was a, a, a teenager with Down syndrome there. Um, and he, my son went over to swing and then he's like, hi, what's your name? Like, my name is Angel. And Caleb walked over to me. I think he got a little nervous. And at first, I think, you know, some of the age difference, too. Like, he was a little intimidated. And I said, hey, let's let's talk about this. Like, you know, he's different, right? Like, you know, he he has Down syndrome and let's talk. Like, there's nothing to be scared of, right? Like, he's friendly. He's talking to you again. You should introduce yourself. Let's go back over there. Let's swing and let, let's at, let's see what he wants to talk about. And, you know, my husband did a great job at like debriefing, kind of like the same thing, like what my mom was talking about, you know? Yeah, maybe he's not good at this, but he seems excellent with like making new friends. Did you see that? And it's that inherent, like, it's, it's part of like you know, DEI, that's like a big concept is everyone has a unique gift and talent and everyone is valuable, mm-hmm. every single person. And no one's here to say, oh, this person is not as valuable as anyone else. And I think that's a personal part of my why is that unfortunately individuals with disabilities have been treated and told that they're not as valuable as others. And we are helping to make sure that that's not the case. And the term that you're looking for is equitable. Like we, yeah. we are, as a service provider, providing an equitable service to all of our clients to ensure that they can realize their hopes and dreams through, through our care. Um, and yeah, I, while everyone has unique gift and talent, I think everyone also has like unique like biases that we have mm-hmm. to like work through. And that's part of our driving mission as well at Centria, which is um, our clients come to us because they have goals that they want to achieve and we're here to help them, not save them. And we're here to like support them to like realize those goals and like anyone else, um, they got unique talents. So I really yeah. thank you for that perspective and, and appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate the time. Um, and I look forward to sharing more time with you across the next uh, season of the podcast. Awesome. And that concludes another episode of us telling the stories of our incredible staff and their work to support our powerful mission. Until next week, do wonders. Do wonders.